Welcome to the Oakcrest Podcast Channel. Oakcrest School in Vienna, Virginia challenges girls in grades 6 to 12 to develop their intellect, character, faith, and leadership potentials to thrive in college and throughout their lives. On today's podcast, Middle School Director Cecilia Escobar, Upper School Director Christine Nucio, and Director of Academic Advising Catherine Courtney speak about the beauty of an Oakcrest education. They take a look at the big picture of our rich liberal arts curriculum, explaining what we teach, why we teach it, and how it follows the stages of intellectual development. Um, the directors are, tonight are going to share the beauty of the Oakcrest education. And I'm going to just preface their remarks by just mentioning three things. Um, the first is that it's been wisely said that education uh, is important. Um, in education, you need to know primarily what man is, what is the nature of man, what is his vocation, his destiny, why does he exist. Education is a deeply philosophical undertaking. Um, it's very, what we want to teach, obviously, in any given situation is very important. What is the content? But first, who and why, you know, have to be addressed. For Oakcrest, now, the who um, and the why, the who, our uh, students, um, we think of our students in this way, they're young women in arguably the most formative years of their lives. And further, we think um, our students are, are daughters of God. They are each one, I love this expression, this is uh, used by our chaplain many years, for many years, each one is a unique and unrepeatable creation of God, obviously made in his image and likeness. These, this is the who of an Oakcrest education. But why um, we want our students to flourish as human beings, and again, thinking of the who, to flourish as daughters of God. Daughters of God who have a transcendent, an immortal destiny. So we want them to learn to be happy on earth and to be happy forever in heaven. So it's really, you know, again, education, it's deeply philosophical. You need to start. We need to start always with the who and the why. Um, and that's filling in the blank for Oakcrest, the who, the daughters of God, your daughters, um, and the why is this amazing destiny to be, again, happy to learn, which is not easy terms, right, but uh, the challenge and adventure of learning to be happy on earth um, and to be happy forever in heaven. That's the foundation, the first thing that I would say. The second is we were founded 46 years ago um, and we've had, we, our, we love our mission. We've really, we've never veered from the mission of the school. Um, it's been our roadmap for all of these years. Um, we've never fundamentally changed it. I love to say we've never reinvented ourselves, you know. Um, we've never had to, in a sense, wait, frankly, waste time on that. We have been challenged, and we are always, to, to ponder it, to live it, to try to live it in every aspect of the life of the school, to go deeper in it, but the fundamentals have never changed. And this is what you're going to be hearing tonight. And then the third point is that, um, again, I'm just reading this today quickly, but uh, this author said, education is an art and an especially difficult one. And I think we, we, can all, we all realize that. I don't know if you've ever just cavalierly tried to teach someone something even very simply. You realize, 
this is really hard to do, and I'm just teaching you how to use a vacuum cleaner. I had no idea. I mean, that's just a trivial thing, but I mean, it is really hard, and I'm just talking about content there. The whole work of education is it's a very, it's very difficult. We have always been blessed with very dedicated teachers who love their art. And we have an all-female faculty, again, we've always had that from the beginning, hired for their love of the mission, love of their subject area, and desire to teach girls. And if not immediately, eventually, a real love for doing that. Um, we have, as a very dedicated teachers, I like to say they're teachers by vocation. Um, they're curious, they inspire and challenge each other, uh, certainly the girls, but also each other. And that's something the parents might not know about the faculty culture here. I mean, you know, you're not here. Um, but it's very rich. It's very enjoyable. And the girls, of course, perceive that. I mean, not only the teachers enjoy the girls and teaching their subject in their class, but the environment, the esprit de corps among the faculty is very rich and, and lovely. We had a Latin reading group, I don't know if that's still going on, still going on, and it's not only Latin teachers, but it's just teachers who also know Latin uh, and love Latin. Um, so it's a, it's a mixed group. We have an English department book club. I don't know that they really need to another, read another book, but they're reading <laughs> Peace Like a River, just so you know, it's the March book. Um, the history department, you'll have two members here, they just think they're the best department. <laughs> they may be, I don't know, it's kind of, but they have great department meetings, everybody wants to go to them, um, things like that. But the other piece I want you to know, and you're going to see it tonight hopefully, is our teachers are eminently relatable to the girls. And not just the teachers, but everybody, I think everybody who works here, the learning specialist, the college counselor who's back there, uh, they're funny, uh, they're understanding, they are. Um, they have a lot of wisdom and life experience. They're interesting and interested, um, and they're virtuous women. So I just those are three points that I, I wanted to share with you before I jump into the bios of these wonderful women. So the first, um, I'm just going to give you a little sketch on who will be speaking with you tonight. Um, Cecilia Escobar, our middle school director, who's right here. Um, her daughter Claire graduated in 2018. Her only daughter. And um, she first began teaching in Oakcrest in 1991. So that was our Yuma Street campus. She taught English, French, and history from 1991 to 95. She has a bachelor's, in art, a bachelor's of arts in history from Loyola University in Maryland, a professional teaching certificate in history. Um, there was a 15-year hiatus from Oakcrest from 95 um, to 2010. And in that time, she homeschooled her own children and a few others besides. And she rejoined us in 2010. She's taught American history for 11 years with occasional forays into the theology department. She was the eighth grade class dean for three years and history department master teacher for six years. Um, Cecilia brought, established the most courageous American tournament for our seventh and eighth grade history students, which is a wonderful Oakcrest tradition, makes history come alive for all of us. Christine Nusio, uh, in the middle, our upper school director. Christine um, has taught history at Oakcrest, has been at Oakcrest since 2012. She has a master's of arts in early modern Europe from the Catholic University of America, a bachelor of arts summa cum laude in history from Christendom. 
and she was awarded the Best Senior Thesis Award um, by Christendom's History Department uh, for the paper that she wrote, Spring in October, colon, I cannot pronounce this man's name. Vladislav Gomulka and the stillbirth of Polish freedom in 1956. Sounds really good. Um, it does. I'm not being I'm, I'm actually not a sarcastic person. Um, Christine found, started, she's done so many things here over the years, but started the debate club, started the Junior States of America club, created the Western Political Thought Elective, um, has been a beloved mentor, a junior class dean, and soccer coach. Here, she's a fierce competitor. Um, but anyway, that's among the many things that she's done here. And then Catherine Courtney, um, over here is our academic, she's um, proud to be a member of the Ogress community as director of academic advising, head librarian, and the mother of Sarah Virginia, who is in the class of 2024. Catherine received a Bachelor's of Arts in Classics from the University of Virginia, Master's in Library Science from the University of Maryland. She brings experience working in corporate, public, and school libraries, as well as undergraduate academic advising at George Mason. And I just want you to know, she organized this library, which really started with boxes and boxes of books. So she dove in, discarded, organized, chose, selected everything, chose the library management system that we use, and really just allowed us to have a real library, the beautiful real library that you see here. She served the school in other capacities as well, working very closely with the college counselor, editing our publication, Oakleaf, and now she's a Latin teacher as well. So with no further ado, I'm gonna have her come up and share with you. Good evening, everybody. I was gonna welcome you out and, and cheer you on for coming out on such a cold February night, but um, don't think that's gonna happen. I guess I should cheer you for coming out on a weeknight. Um, I'm sure, though, no matter what the weather is, I'm sure some of you might prefer to be home taking care of the multitude of parental obligations or work duties or grabbing a few minutes of blessed reading time or time in front of the television to relax. Your presence here is one indication of how much you value your daughter's education. And we at Oakcrest appreciate how much you care. We could not do what we do without your support. We know we are in a true partnership with you. You are the primary educators. As much as we love your daughters, we know that you care about them a lot more than we do and more than anyone in the world. And you want them to succeed professionally and have a happy, purpose-filled life with deep meaning. This evening is meant to help our parents understand what we teach and why we teach it. We want you to understand the practicalities of why your daughter is placed in a particular math or foreign language class, but more importantly, we also want you to understand the big picture of our curriculum. I love our curriculum. Having had a daughter and eight nieces graduate from Oakcrest, I can say from personal experience as a par parent and aunt that it truly prepares your girls for life. It is rich, exciting, and thorough. It is designed to be pedagogically appropriate and to excite a sense of wonder in the girls. It builds on itself from year to year and has been carefully, and carefully planned and developed over the years. 
Having said all that, I will not say it is perfect because no curriculum is. It is impossible to create the perfect curriculum. There are so many things we want the girls to study, so many things that are truly worth their time, but there just isn't the time. So what is a school to do? We know that what is the most important thing to strive for in a curriculum is a foundation that will make them lifelong learners, create in them a sense of wonder, and develop their critical thinking skills so they have the tools to see and know the true, the good, and the beautiful. With that in mind, our goal is not to study massive amounts of information, but rather to study a selection of things deeply and well. As middle school director, I will be covering the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade curriculum. The curriculum is designed both vertically and horizontally, meaning looking at the progression uh, sixth through eighth grade, but also looking um, at it through the subjects and the, the disciplines. For our purposes tonight, I'd like to look at the curriculum by discipline in general and specifically point out what changes are in store for next year. And this is for the middle school. So our English program is based on good literature. It is through this literature that writing, vocabulary, and grammar are taught. The literature chosen is meant to complement the themes and virtues for the year. For example, the sixth grade themes of getting to know your new home and generosity, a generosity of heart, are beautifully reflected in Anne of Green Gables as Anne learns about her new home and making new friends. In the seventh grade, the themes of friendship, kindness, and perseverance are taught through the book Little Women as Joe and her sisters learn what it means to grow up and mature. In the eighth grade, the girls learn about loyalty, justice, and branching out in Jane Eyre as Jane learns to find her way in a very difficult world. And in The Chosen, as Reuben and Danny navigate their way in post-World War II Brooklyn. Our history program starts with ancient history in sixth grade, progresses through medieval history and the Renaissance in seventh, and finishes with American history in eighth. The literature in the sixth and eighth grade are coordinated with their history classes, and we're reading historical fiction in the seventh grade. This year is the first year that we are doing medieval history in seventh, and the year is highlighted by a medieval portfolio project that crosses the curriculum to include science, math, arts, and theology classes. They're all involved in this project. Next year will be the first year that American history will be covered in just one year in the middle school rather than two. But have no fear, parents of seventh graders, we will not be expecting your daughters to cover in one year everything that previous students have taken two years to do. We have carefully gone through the curriculum with the intention of focusing on the most important events and ideas rather than trying to cover everything. Again, it is the idea of studying a selection of things deeply and well. For math, the girls take placement tests when they enter Oakcrest. This allows some flexibility to their studies. The typical path starts with a firm foundation in the basics in sixth grade math, with a healthy dose of exploring through puzzles and projects. Students then progress to more abstract ideas in pre-algebra, for example, learning about variables, and in eighth grade, they continue into Algebra one with even more abstract ideas by learning about patterns, solving for two variables, graphing, and making predictions. This progression is appropriate pedagogically as students move from the grammar stage of learning, which is very concrete, to the more um, abstract um, 
stage of the logic stage, which is much more abstract. In science, the girls progress from general science to life science to physical science, which includes a half year of chemistry and a half year of physics. This progression is scaffolded pretty much the same as high school, so they will revisit these topics at a deeper level later on. It's like spirals. In sixth grade general science, they keep a field guide, which is linked to the theme of getting to know your new home, as they fill in the field guide with all sorts of observations about our campus. They explore the campus. In seventh grade, they concretize their learning in life sciences with several trips to Meadowlark Gardens. And in the eighth grade, we're hoping to reintroduce our field trip to Udvar Hazi for a lab on flight in the morning and a history tour in the afternoon. We're hoping that by this time next year, the COVID restrictions will be lifted and will allow us to continue with this valuable field trip. It's a wonderful field trip because it mixes our science and our history just beautifully together. Um, we have a change to the theology curriculum throughout the middle school. Sixth through eighth grade will study the theology of the body in the first quarter of the year. The theology of the body is JP2's vision of the integration of the human person, which emphasizes the theme of love as self-gift and encourages a true respect and understanding of the gift of our sexuality. The curriculum is very much age appropriate and respects the innocence of our children and the parents as the primary educators. For foreign languages, the girls are placed into beginner Latin or Spanish. If they have previously studied either of those languages, they take a placement test when they enter Ocrest and are placed accordingly. The goal in middle school is to study the equivalent of one full year of language. So for example, Spanish 1 or Latin 1 is divided into thirds and distributed over three years. Our Spanish program has a strong emphasis on the communicative method, which stresses conversation, presentational writing and speaking, and basic vocabulary. <clears throat> in Latin, they have a different emphasis. The goal Excuse me. The goal is to get them really excited and take away the fear of Latin because of the natural rigor of the language. As such, they do a lot of reading, acting, cultural projects which teach basic grammar and vocabulary and will get them ready for the great works of ancient and early Christian literature that they will study in high school. Teachers plant the seeds of fascination in middle school in Latin so they can power through the harder grammar of high school to get to the great work works later in high school. Our PE program, the purpose of physical education in the middle school is to explore and improve students' athletic skills and learn about a variety of sports and physical activities. PE encompasses long units to emphasize fundamental skills and team cooperation. It is also in this class where our students learn that they are tougher than they think and they can push themselves harder and further than they ever thought they could. And finally, we have our visual and performing arts curriculum. Every student in middle school takes music every year. They meet twice a week. They have the choice between choral or instrumental classes. In addition to performing, students grow in their understanding of music by listening to, analyzing, and evaluating diverse musical styles in choral music. In instrumental music, they develop instrumental technique while learning to read and perform notated music in an ensemble setting. The instruments taught are clarinet, flute, violin, viola, and cello. 
and can include other instruments depending on the past experience of students and the discretion of the teacher. We also have a harp club as well that's not technically part of our curriculum, but um, it's a wonderful club I, and it's really worth mentioning. It's led by Mrs. Baldwin and the girls are very impressive. If you've ever been here for Mass when they play harp, you will be blown away. They're really amazing. Um, we have an exciting development for next year with regard to studio art and theater. We have expanded both programs to include a full year of study rather than a half year. Right now it's only a half year that they choose. We believe this will help students go deeper into their studies. Once again, the theme of our curriculum is to study a selection of things deeply and well. Each middle school student has the choice of studio art or theater each year. If they choose art in sixth grade, they can take a seventh, uh, they can take theater in seventh and back to art in eighth if they want. They could also choose to do solely one or the other for all three years. The studio art classes emphasize working with different materials and techniques and growing in the skill of analysis of others' artwork and their own. In theater, among other things, students study improvisation, script analysis, characterization, storytelling, theater history, vocal expression, and sound design. <coughs> I hope this overview is helpful in understanding what we do and why we do it. We've developed this curriculum over many years, and we've learned what works and what doesn't. We've made adjustments based on what we've learned with the goal of continually improving and striving to serve the girls in the best way possible. Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. I'm going to let Christine come up and save me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so she's going to take over high school. <coughs> I got it. Okay, thank you, Cecilia. It is very fitting that I follow um, Cecilia tonight because the middle and upper school they both have one unified academic program. So we're here today on the same night, just not just so you don't have to come out twice, but because this is really one academic program. The um, foundation that is laid in middle school is what we build on in the upper school. And so you will see as I go through the different um, subjects that we study in the upper school that we're returning to what was introduced to the students in middle school and going into more depth and going to a deeper understanding for the students. So Cecilia spoke very beautifully about parent partnership, and I just want to highlight that that is also part of the upper school curriculum. I will not repeat what she said because she said everything I could have said on it. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about the liberal arts aspect of our curriculum, but that is also a feature of our middle school curriculum. <coughs> Again, rather than have us both say it, I'll, I'll say it here. So you know very well that the Oakcrest um, curriculum is a liberal arts um, one. And so this means we're not simply exposing the students to different subjects, but it's rather, it's a holistic program, and it has truth at the core. So we approach the subjects in a way that's driven by the why of the subject. Um, we're trying to give our students a better understanding of reality, and we are, as Mary said, forming human nature, the, the person of our student. So you can think about everything we study as really relating to three essential areas for the students to understand. God, the human person, and the world around them. In our academic program, some of the subjects, I would, I would argue, focus more directly on one of those three things. But ultimately, they're all working together to give the student a um, better understanding of those three things. For example, 
Uh, math and science, one could say, I think, study the order of the world around us. Right? They give the students an understanding of the natural order of things, and um, I'll speak more on that when we discuss our math and science program. But understanding the order of nature also helps students to understand the nature of God who created that order. <clears throat> so in that way, everything that the student studies here is really unified. Another important thing, of course, about a liberal arts curriculum is that it's supposed to naturally answer for the student the question of, why do I have to learn this, which is what every student asks at some point in your day, all the time. <laughs> Sometimes it's, is this going to be on the test? Just phrased differently. And so you can give her the practical answer. You can say, well, learning Latin will help you on your SAT, or Spanish is a growing global language, you should learn it. Um, but that's not the answer that's really um, at the heart of our curriculum. At the heart of our curriculum, the student understands that learning the language of another culture shows you what's universal in human nature. And you can also see how virtue is lived out in different ways in different cultures. So the, the, the beauty of the liberal arts curriculum and our academic program is that it answers for the student as she studies that very important question of why am I learning this. So there's um, four principles I'd like to share with you sort of that underlie our academic program. Um, that we believe that truth is unitive. It's one, and it's something that we seek to understand. So all of our subjects are not in competition with each other. Instead, they are, they are complementing each other. They're building the student's understanding of, again, God, human person, and the world around her. And uh, the second principle is that knowing the truth of things is a good in itself. So the student should recognize the inherent goodness of what she studies. Another thing, uh, another principle is that we are, we know that we are presenting deep truths to our students and that they're going to continue to study these in college. And that in some cases, especially in the upper school, we're starting to introduce them to areas where they will go deeper. As Cecilia said, we're, we are really educating lifelong learners. So we're not trying to give them the um, full answer many times, but show them, give them the foundations and the tools to continue to study these things at a deeper level. And the fourth, of course, important principle is um, <clears throat> you'll see in our curriculum that we have very strong requirements. It's a robust curriculum and it prepares the students well for college. So my final preliminary thought before I dive into specifics is um, two things that a curriculum is not and something that it is. So a curriculum is not a race. Um, even though it does have its roots in the Latin word to run. Uh, we have a checklist-minded culture that's sort of like, finish that, finish that, finish that, move on. But that is not what a curriculum is. And so that's why you'll see in our curriculum a returning, a spiraling, as um, Cecilia mentioned already, because returning to the subject actually helps the student to go deeper into it, to understand. For an easy example, the student at a very young age memorizes the Ten Commandments. But when she returns to the Ten Commandments in her moral theology class in 11th grade, she learns that the ten basic rules that were very quick to memorize when she was younger are actually the guide um, to a, a coherent way of life. Right? It's, it's this very deep foundation that actually shows her a path to virtue and how the human person can truly flourish. Another thing a curriculum is not is it's not a menu um, to which one sort of selects things to take in any order. 
any science teacher or math teacher will tell you you should not take physics without pre-calculus at least. Um, it doesn't work well. And the fact that our students study certain things together actually really gives them a deeper and richer appreciation for what they study. Uh, for example, this week in my 10th grade history class, we were discussing the agricultural and industrial revolutions. And not only were they pulling things that they'd learned from ninth grade, but we were talking about the, um, we were talking about uh, open fields and crop rotation, and they were bringing in things about nitrates and uh, needing to uh, fertilize your soil from biology that they learned. We were talking about um, their reading of Pride and Prejudice and their uh, yeah, um, literature class and you know land ownership and marriage patterns. And so it was this very rich conversation informed by lots of different um, uh, lots of different classes that they've taken or are taking currently. So what a curriculum is is it's a plan. It's the reason that we take certain subjects together and study them at a particular time in students' development and in a particular order. And you'll see this beautifully in how our classes all support each other. So I'm going to start with history because I get to choose which order I start things in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, I rationalized it so that I wasn't just bias on my part and said, well, I think it's hard to decide if you're studying the human person or the world around us more in history. I think you're studying both the human person and the world around us. So I'm going to start with history because it's great. <laughs> it, yeah, it is the best and the best department. <laughs> so in the history, um, we, take, we have four required years of history for our um, students in the upper school. So they're going to take four years of history, one every year. They'll do world history in ninth grade, which is that return to Western civilization that they would have studied in sixth and seventh. Then European history in 10th grade, US history in 11th grade, and um, government in 12th grade. And this is a very important capstone um, for students. Um, the government class introduces, it's launching them into that sort of adult citizenship that they're going to um, some of them attain. It's always fun to see the seniors come in with that I voted for the first time uh, sticker. And it's also fitting that I start with history from the standpoint that history helps introduce the students to the development of other disciplines. We always have a very good conversation about the scientific method in 10th grade history when we talk about the scientific revolution. So they do see also how their other classes, what they're studying their other classes has developed in history. Um, and I'm not going to highlight where we have APs, because I'll talk about that at the end, but we do have AP options um, throughout our curriculum. So we also require four years of mathematics, which um, is a very strong, again, feature of our, uh, of our high school transcript. And in our mathematics um, curriculum, really the goal of that is for the student to understand the world as something that's basically numerical and ordered, right? They're supposed to see the beauty of the world around them. Everything can oftentimes, especially as you're in the tumultuous years of adolescence, seem very chaotic and very subjective. Things are changing all of the time. But in your mathematics class, you learn that even change works according to principles, right? You learn the formulas and the um, principles of things like acceleration and speed, and you, and you learn how these complex um, principles are at work all around you. I think the students also learn to appreciate that there are different ways of reasoning and different ways of asking and answering questions. 
Some of my students love pondering sort of open-minded questions in history, and then some of them say to me, I just really like math. There's a right answer. <laughs> you can, it's one answer that you can find. And I think that's beautiful that they recognize the difference in the reasoning process. So the normal um, path of mathematics, building off of what Cecilia um, outlined from the middle school, is that our ninth grade students take geometry, and then they'll take algebra two in 10th grade, pre-calculus in 11th, and then in um, 12th grade they'll take calculus, and again there's AP calculus, um, there's also a statistics class if they're not calculus-minded, which some of our students prefer to take. And uh, this, you know, the math classes are challenging. They are, as Cecilia outlined um, earlier, there's greater abstract thinking that a student is possible, um, it's possible for a student to do as she progresses in middle school, but also certainly in high school. There's a world of difference between a ninth grader, honestly, and a tenth grader, and certainly between um, a ninth grader and a junior. You, those are two completely different students. Um, even though they're the same lovely girl, they, uh, <laughs> what they're capable of doing is very different. And so you see the um, greater rigor of our math curriculum increase because it's challenging the students, um, not just with the self-discipline that's required for higher level, more complex, complex mathematics, but also this abstract thinking and the concepts that they're being introduced to. One other feature um, that I would like to highlight about the math curriculum is that the uh, math department, you know, understanding the importance of statistics, not necessarily for all students in terms of preparing them for math for college, but for all students in terms of preparing them for life, statistics is something they're going to run into all, all the time, has actually put that into the curriculum at a particular, they spend a little bit of time on statistics in every um, grade level to make sure that all students have some uh, understanding of statistics um, regardless of whether or not they're going to take that their senior year. Um, and then following mathematics, uh, because it supports it so well, our sciences, there's also four years of science at Oakcrest. And the goal of the science department is to show the intentional design of the natural world and the human person. And so, again, this is highlighting really the dignity and complexity of both the natural order of things and also the human person. Students are understanding um, how complexity is beautiful and also how it's designed and how that has, again, by understanding themselves as planned and the world as planned, they see the beauty and um, the dignity that went of that's um, inherent in themselves. So uh, biology is what the students will start with in ninth grade and they'll study chemistry in 10th. And then in 11th grade, you'll see them return to one of those two topics, either in anatomy and physiology or in AP biology or AP chemistry to go deeper again into the study and to build on the foundations that they um, uh, laid in 9th and 10th grade. And then the, the capstone of the senior year is physics, which is again uh, beautiful but very abstract in challenging the students to um, oftentimes bring their mathematical knowledge into understanding how change happens in the world around them. And another thing I'd like to highlight about our science curriculum is that you can see the beautiful way in which, again, the disciplines are helping the students to develop as a person. Um, <clears throat> I'm always impressed with the lab reports that the students write. Um, you would assume that the training and writing that our students get is through our 
robust English and history department, and of course we teach writing skills very well. But the lab reports that students write also, the science teachers instruct them in the use of research and in how to cite research properly and in how to, um, how to argue from data and how not to extrapolate past your data to make your own assumptions about things. So there's a lot of work going into helping the students develop their logic skills and their writing skills in our science department. I think another great aspect of our science department is the uh, dissections that the students do, which you can sort of divide. They're either going to dread them or they're going to be really excited and can't <laughs> wait for them. Um, I've never seen a neutral high school student <laughs> <with> dissections. <laughs> uh, and so that's beautiful too because there's this aspect of collaboration. I've, I've definitely been in classes with them where they're sort of saying, okay, you're going to do the cutting, I'm going to do the writing. <laughs> Did we do that already? Um, and so it's, it's that hands-on experience that they get in the science. Um, the science is, is really, it's memorable to them. It brings their studies alive, and it's a beautiful part of um, the Oakcrest uh, academic program. And on the subject of beauty, of course, we do have a place for the arts. Most of what the students study when it comes to art is, is an elective in the upper school. And I'll talk about electives in a little bit. Um, as Cecilia said, there's only so much time. We have a lot of important things to teach them in high school. But we do have a place for art and music in our curriculum, in our core, in art and music appreciation in 10th grade. So that's the reason that the students take those two classes in 10th grade is to make sure every single student has learned some and been exposed to the beautiful tradition of, um, and development of art and music. And that's one semester, it's a half a, basically half a year of each that they take in 10th grade. So the foreign language requirement is three years in the upper school. And this is intentional because the hope is that the student um, and the design of that is that the student is going to end her study of the language with of an exposure and with um, the ability to actually read um, read some of the sort of hallmark texts of that language in the original language. So a sixth grader who came in with no background in language, by the time she's in ninth grade, is ready to take either Latin II or Spanish II because she's covered the equivalent of Spanish or Latin one in middle school, which that means with the three years that she's going to take in upper school, she'll do, we'll say Spanish two, Spanish three, Spanish four. Well, and by Spanish four, again, she's able to start to read some of these, um, she's able to start to read some of these things in the original language. She's already mastered a lot of the difficult vocabulary. And the same thing with Latin, they're able to dive into reading the um, Aeneid or reading some of these texts themselves. Because while I'm sure it's fun to read about, you know, the exploits of Marcus the Gladiator in your Latin one book, we don't want a student's understanding of language to end there because the entire point is to empower her to say, I can, I can speak to people in another time, in another culture, in their own language. That's the purpose of the language curriculum. Okay. I have two more of our departments. There's the English, uh, which I did not leave for the end in any um, 
in any way because I think it was important than history. So if an English teacher tells you that, that's not true. Even though I will say what I love about the English department is that it mirrors the history department here. But it, it is actually, again, extremely enriching that the students, they're taking four years of English and they're studying um, ancient literature, British literature, American literature, and, and modern literature. So it does completely follow the progression of the history um, or we follow the progression, whichever way you want to put it. And it allows us to cross-reference all the time. If we're talking about the scientific revolution, or I would, today we were talking again about romanticism, like you've already read Frankenstein. They're like, yeah, we read Frankenstein. So good, we're gonna read some romantic poetry. They're like, we read romantic poetry. So the, they're studying really the same world and the same people and the same ideas, both through their literature and through their history. Um, and in many ways, the theology department also supports that. Another important aspect of the English department is the logic and rhetoric class that all of the ninth graders take. So if you have been a teacher for any length of time, you've noticed that um, the way that students approach essay writing has often changed. I think it's only fair to recognize the fact that the introduction of the computer, which makes editing so easy has really changed the way students think about things like outlining and proofreading. It's much easier, it's much simpler for them to do than back in the days when you, know, you were using a typewriter or whatnot. So what we saw was a need to, in this logic and rhetoric class to give the students a really good structured way of writing essays. And it has really helped in our curriculum develop better writers. It's extremely habitual at this point. My 10th graders, having learned how to outline and write a good argumentative essay in ninth grade still use the logic and rhetoric format for all of the essays that I give them. So this class that they take in ninth grade, um, while it can seem tedious to them at the time, is actually foundational for helping them to be better writers and better thinkers through the rest of the curriculum. The theology um, curriculum, like I mentioned, it's um, in ninth and 10th grade, I think it really mirrors the literature and history. They're studying life of Christ and sacred scripture in ninth grade and then church history in 10th grade. So they're getting, a, again, a very deep understanding of the ancient world and Western civilization. And in moral theology and philosophy, which are 11th and 12th grade, um, while in one sense they're exploring the moral themes that, again, they cover in literature and history, another important aspect of these classes is they're learning to think about the moral life and to think about these abstract, abstract um, concepts and apply them. So they're learning, again, um, it's a higher level thinking about their faith and higher level thinking about things that they've already been introduced to and perhaps living out for a long time. And they're being challenged to apply them in a way that, again, mirrors what they do in their adult life when they're learning about, um, you know, who am I and who am I as a... Um, as a child of God, and what, what does this mean for my life, and what does this mean for my relationships with other people? Um, I will also note that we do have PE requirement for upper school, because we believe in the holistic development of the entire person, and most of our students fulfill it through, more than fulfill it, most of our students play multiple sports and more than fulfill that, and that's, I think they also um, believe in the holistic development of the entire person. So I'll um, just highlight a few features of the upper school curriculum that are different than middle school, which is that um, in the upper school curriculum, of course, we do offer AP classes and honors level classes in the math and sciences. <coughs> and the reason that we do this is um, 
really is a vehicle for deeper studies. So our core curriculum, if you're not taking an AP class or you're not taking an honors level class, you're still being taught everything essential. You don't have to take an accelerated class for that. But the AP and the honors allow a student to go deeper. They're, the pace is usually accelerated, so they're going to see sort of more topics about something. So that's meant to kind of tailor to the student's particular interests and strengths as she's um, going through high school. And then we do have electives, which again, the um, curriculum is really providing the foundations. And um, the electives, I won't go through each and every one because they're in our beautiful course guide and um, there are many. But the electives are really, um, they provide sort of enrichment for the student, individual enrichment in terms of something that she is being introduced to that are usually things that are more appropriate to study at a college level, but it's kind of her first foray into it for her to see how this sparks her interest. Um, Mary gave a beautiful uh, description of them as they provide respite for her soul when she's in the midst of the difficult work of um, the curriculum. And they are, they are in some sense art, music, theater, um, computer principles. These can be a moment for the student to sort of step out of the regular curriculum and enjoy something that is personally interesting to her. And of course, the capstone of our curriculum is our senior thesis, which is where you see the student also start to recognize how her curriculum has really fit together. She takes usually a deep question, um, something we often see, um, her analyzing literature or analyzing another book in another field and asking some of these deeper questions about the human person, about truth. Um, and we have all of our students do this because we see it as the culmination of the Oakcrest curriculum. They're putting together the skills and they're putting together what they learned um, and they're teaching it to us. So I'll just close by, um, before I turn this over to Catherine, just saying that this, this is our academic program and if you um, leave with this understanding of the curriculum tonight and really just bring us to the fact that we have a core in our curriculum and your core, um, this heart of the curriculum, it's, it's a robust education and it's meant to show the student how everything that they're studying is fitting together and um, teaching them about the essential things in life and that we have confidence that what we're teaching is presenting to the students an important story about these, these essential things, about God, about the human person, about the world around us, and um, that through this education, we're leading the student out of herself so that she's seeing how the world around her is bigger and uh, how she as a child of God relates to that. So with that, I'll turn it over to Catherine. We'll give a few other remarks. <clears throat> thanks, Christine, and um, thanks everyone for being here tonight. Um, I don't know about you, but when I listen to Christine and Cecilia talk about the classes and the education, I think back to um, my middle school and high school, and it just feels so hectic, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, like a little this, a little that, it's just, but it's just beautiful the way everything works together. Um, so I'm the Director of Academic Advising and the Librarian, um, and I'm the, the mother of Sarah Virginia. Um, SV, 
as she is now very coolly called. Um, she is the youngest of my six children. She is um, the um, only of my four daughters to attend Oakcrest or private school at all, for that matter. Um, we navigated public schools, and we had excellent teachers and really solid, rigorous classes. But when I consider the richness of what she's getting here, and she's been here since seventh grade, I, I am just so grateful that we found our way here. Um, and I came three and a half years ago as the school's first professional library with this beautiful space and there were some books on the shelves and I had the dream job of building a library from scratch, buying books with someone else's money. <laughs> um, and in addition to that library and background, I brought um, my experience in academic advising from uh, George Mason University where I had been working. Um, but I teased Mary Ortiz that this library gig was all just a ruse to get me here um, because by the end of my first year here, we decided that academic advising is actually something that would really benefit our students. Um, the role of having a, of an academic advisor fits well with our um, with the Ocrest mission of forming young women who thrive, not just here, but, but in college and beyond. So this position of director of academic advising was born, um, and it really is a unique role to have in a six through 12 school. Um, it sort of links academics, uh, student life, and college counseling. So I work very closely in addition um, with to Cecilia and Christine, to uh, Grace Lung, who's the learning specialist, Randa Johnson, who's the director of college counseling, and she's here this evening, and also Megan Hadley, the dean of students. Um, my goal is to guide each student through her years here. I primarily work with the upper school students, but we do have issues with the middle school with, with placement questions mainly. But it's, it's about her, her path to graduation um, and making sure that there is intent and purpose in, in, in that path and the courses she's choosing. I want to ensure that our students are obviously not just fulfilling the requirements, but that they're meeting personal goals and becoming the best students they can be. We talk about academic interests in terms of college majors and maybe careers later on to make sure they're taking the right courses now to set them up for college applications. Um, we talk about learning differences, types of learning, habits of the mind, student responsibility, ownership, and independence of their education. Um, I uh, talk to them about, um, especially ninth grade B, you are the, you are the hero of your educational journey. You're the pr protagonist, um, so own this. Um, so I just I really want to just um, share a few thoughts about um, about this journey. Um, I did, thoughts to help your daughters make the most of it, um, and just maybe some traits that that come in handy. Um, the first that I, I tell the girls is do what you love, do what you, what, what you really enjoy doing. Um, non multa sed multum. Uh, Saint Jose Maria used this Latin proverb, and he uses it to say. Don't do many things, but do things well. Um, and the number one reason for academic stress and underperformance is when a student is trying to do too many things, specifically AP courses, honors classes, um, and they're just taking on too much. Uh, loading up on APs has almost become like it's a rite of passage. All the young girls, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to take three next year and. Um, and it's just, it, it doesn't have to be that way. We have a very, it's not a, a policy so much as a very strong recommendation that students take no more than two APs in a year. 
um, and we have um, stood by that for years um, because we feel that all, first of all, all of our courses are taught at a very high level. Um, and especially by junior year when the APs really become an option, there are no easy courses. Um, so the AP policy is not meant to limit them, but really it's, it's a way of freeing them to say, you know what, I can say no to a good thing. Um, I don't have to take all these APs. I'm going to choose a couple that are available, to be available and I don't feel the pressure to have to do all of them. And you know, it, it, takes, it takes fortitude to recognize that just because you can do something, just because a teacher said, hey, you know, you, you could, I, I think that you would do well in that course, that doesn't mean you have to take it. Um, there are still only 24 hours in, in the day, and unless she's willing to give up something that she really likes, um, her family, sleep, <laughs> musical, um, it's just often too much to juggle. So we encourage them to choose where you want to put your time and energy. Um, you know, if, if you really don't, I mean, if you're great at math, but you don't really love spending all that time on the homework, then, you know, it's okay. Choose, choose to really uh, dive into something else. Um, our top students with, with the highly selective college acceptances, they're not always necessarily the ones who had the most APs. Um, they have something else to offer that no one else has, some intangible, something in their character that really sets them apart, and that's what we're trying to build up here at Oakcrest. Um, the second thing is that word resilience, which I know you guys are probably tired of hearing, but it really is, especially these days, it's so important. Let your daughter make mistakes. Um, let her own them. Um, I'm sure we don't have any of this in the audience, but remember the helicopter parents of the 90s and 2000s? Well, those are now being called the, the bulldozer, or the snowplow, or the lawnmower parents. And their mission is to remove all obstacles and make a clear path for their kids. Because who, I mean, we all want them to be trouble-free and sail through without any, any problems. Um, but students who have never failed, and for some students, this might mean like a B plus. Um, they don't know how to cope when it invariably happens, and it, and it will. When they get to college, or maybe when they get to 10th grade, there will be that moment when they haven't studied enough, um, they completely forgot about an assignment, which happened to my daughter just a couple weeks ago. She's like, I, I, don't, I don't even remember them talking about it, but it was due today. <laughs> um, taking a test that they know they are not prepared for. Give them the opportunity to fail, because only through that failure will they learn how to bounce back and that they'll learn that they're stronger than they realize. Um, when I have a teary student in my office coming, um, she'll come in, you know, convinced that she has any shot at a decent life has just gone up in smoke because of that one chemistry test, I remind her, I say, you have already made it through 100% of your worst days. <laughs> um, the other really important thing um, that we try to develop and that as a college advisor I saw was um, the importance of self-advocacy and individual responsibility. Um, you know, when they're little we teach them clear your dishes, clean up after yourself, make your beds, and I'm telling you now that's all in preparation for these years. We want them to clean up after themselves. This sometimes means recognizing when you need help, like I goofed, I, I, need, I need help, and how to find the right person to help you. Um, having to come find me when she wants to drop a class because it's suddenly much harder than she expected, that will prepare her for showing up to office hours, 
with, with a college professor and having tough conversations, because I guarantee those are probably going to be tougher than, than, than I would be. Um, the last is uh, leisure time. Relax. This especially relates to summer, summer classes and getting ahead. Um, everybody's, this is the time of year when I start getting questions about what can my daughter be doing and is it okay if we sign her up for this. Um, and as, as Christine said, our curriculum is not a race. It's not about checking things off so that you can see how many other things you can cram in there. Um, the question that I usually get around this time of year is about a student taking math, and it's always math. I've never had someone say, hey, you know, my daughter really wants to take a literature class this summer to get ahead in, in literature. But, um, so it's, it's usually a math class over the, over the summer so she can jump ahead in the curriculum. And so we do, we look at it on a case-by-case -case basis, and sometimes it really is a good option. But um, quite often, our experience has been over the last couple of years, it does, it does not serve the student well. So by all means, we encourage them, pursue interests. Learning does not happen just at Oak Crest. It's not just here in this building, and not everything that you want to be studying is, is going to happen here. So if there's a class we don't offer and you might be interested in, I'll help you find it. Um, and that will enhance our curriculum, but it, it's, it's not going to replace it. So again, we can't do everything, but what we do here, we, we do very well. Um, so that's, that's all that I've, I wanted to share with you all. Um, Cecilia, Christine, and I are happy to answer questions about the curriculum specifically. Um, Miranda Johnson is there in the back, and she can talk if, if anybody has any questions afterwards about uh, college counseling. And I also want to mention that um, on the table up front, we have a flyer for a Father's Club event, which is coming up, which sounds really great, and you'll be able to hear from a fabulous Oak Crest alum, yeah. Megan Hadley. Um, it's, it's about the Oak Crest grade level experiences, so this will also speak directly to middle school and um, upper school and what we're doing and how it all fits together in a beautiful way.